Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the new season of Destination Disaster. I am your host, Devin Carney. Well, it sure as hell does not feel like it has been a month since the final episode of Season 3 was released. First and foremost, I want to welcome those of you who have stuck around since the beginning of this show. Your support is greatly appreciated. And to those of you who are new, welcome. This is one of the finest podcasts in regard to emergency management that is currently available to listeners right now. For those of you that are new, I do urge you to go back and listen to earlier episodes Apologies ahead of time that the first couple of seasons sound like they were recorded through a potato. Before we jump right into the content for this episode, there are a few housekeeping notes that I would like to cover. The first is merchandise being available this season. Um, I have not finalized exactly what merchandise will be available, but more than likely it will be t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, you name it, it'll probably be available. A portion of these sales that are generated will be donated to a charity of your choice. There will be a poll at the end of the season, both on Instagram and Reddit, where you can vote to choose what charity this money will go to. This season, we are moving away from Twitter due to the recent uptick in hate speech and racial slurs being used. Destination Disaster does not support that. This show is inclusive of everyone, and I strive to make that known in each episode or social media post that is released. I will not allow hate speech or racial bias anywhere near this show. We are focused on community readiness and disaster knowledge. That's it. In response, I did create a subreddit for the show. The link to that will be in the show notes of this episode. There, we can engage in open dialogue regarding disasters. If you'd like to share episode ideas, that's more than welcome also. I want this show to be something more. I want it to be a community of like-minded individuals focused on being resilient to whatever disaster may occur in the future. The name of the subreddit is Destination Disaster, all one word. For the first episode back, we're going to be discussing the power crisis in Texas last year during the winter storm. As we inch ever closer to winter, it's important that we review this disaster to ensure we are better prepared for the eventuality of another major outage such as the one that occurred in Texas last year. In fact, this is exactly why the current administration has placed such a huge importance on improving the energy infrastructure of the United States. When looking at the energy infrastructure as a whole, 
This is one of our oldest areas of critical infrastructure within the country. According to Utility Dive, a new site specifically tailored to reporting on items that involve the electricity industry, the article reports that electrical distribution costs account for more than $51 billion in annual utility distribution spending. The nation's electric grid is rapidly aging. A 2015 report from the U.S. Department of Energy concluded 70% of power transformers are 25 years of age or older, 60% of circuit breakers are 30 years or older, and 70% of transmission lines are 25 years or older. Utilities are rushing to modernize, just not to enable a new era of electronic technology, but to maintain reliability. EIA says capital investment accounts for the largest share of distribution costs as utilities work to upgrade aging equipment. Utilities are now undertaking a host of equipment upgrades and replacements. From poles and wires to substation transformers, aiming to better withstand extreme weather events and enable easier frequency and voltage control during emergencies. The infrastructure bill that was recently passed allocates funds just for that, improving the electrical generating and distribution infrastructure here within the United States. According to the Department of Energy, power outages cost the United States economy up to $70 billion annually. The bipartisan infrastructure law's more than $65 billion investment includes the largest investment in clean energy transmission and grid in American history. It will upgrade our power infrastructure by building thousands of miles of new, resilient transmission lines to facilitate the expansion of renewables and clean energy while lowering costs. And it will fund new programs to support the development, demonstration, and deployment of cutting-edge clean energy technologies to accelerate our transition to zero-emission economy. It's vital that as a country we look toward the future and not a one-time fix and patch that only prolongs the inevitable, which is why we're discussing this topic today. The Texas power crisis is a perfect case study into what happens when states choose to ignore federal oversight and opt to privatize the energy infrastructure. Before we jump into the disaster itself, let's take a look at the company that runs Texas's power generation infrastructure. Back during World War II, there were several electric generating companies that existed in the state. Sometime during this period, an agreement was made and these companies formed into the Texas Interconnected System with outside state connections. However, as the 1970s approached, this would change. The Electric Reliability Council of Texas was formed as a 501c4 nonprofit corporation to comply with the North American Electric Reliability Council's regulations. This apparently did not sit well with ERCOT leadership and the decision was made to deregulate the Texas energy market which would occur in two phases. The first phase would include the wholesale generation market in 1995 and the rest of the energy sectors in 1999. Since deregulation, retail providers and power generators were unregulated, although regulations on transmitters continued to control the placement of electrical lines. The legislation abolished the former system in which power was both generated and consumed locally. Instead, under the deregulated regime, retailers could contract with providers across the state, creating a complex market. The 1999 deregulation also dropped limits on rate increases. Prior to deregulation, residential electricity rates were significantly below the national average. After deregulation, residential electricity rates increased, rising 64% between 1999 and 2007. Texas is the only state in the country to have intrastate power grid infrastructure, meaning there is no outside connection. Sounds like a great idea, right? Well, whoever chose to take this fever dream and make it a reality has now placed incredible risk among the citizens of Texas. If the Texas grid fails completely, Texans are in the dark. 
and there are no outside connections set up in a contingency should a major failure occur due to, oh, I don't know, a major winter storm. The event that occurred last year is not the first time that Texas has experienced massive blackouts. Such events were recorded in 2011 during the Groundhog Day blizzard where 75% of the state experienced rolling blackouts. Rolling blackouts were instituted across the state as high demand for electricity left the power grid overloaded and unable to handle the demand. Governor Rick Perry asked citizens to conserve as much electricity as they can to help ease the overloaded power grids. ERCOT, the governing body responsible for most of the electricity distribution in Texas, reported that more than 75% of the state, or 3.2 million people, were affected by rolling blackouts on February 2nd. At one point, demand for energy was so great that utility companies began to purchase electricity off the national grids to meet the demand. Post-analysis indicated that the cold temperatures had caused over 150 generators to encounter difficulties. Loss of supply, instrumentation failures, and gas wellhead freezing were some of the source causes. Following the failure of ERCOT to adequately supply power during this event, it was found that the council failed to adopt standard winterization procedures leading to the rolling blackouts and subsequent purchase of power from the national electricity grid. In 2019, a reliability assessment was completed to initially review the summer peak power generation capabilities. Named the Summer Reliability Assessment, it was conducted by the North American Electric Reliability Corporation and found that ERCOT was the only energy generation entity in the United States that did not have sufficient generation capabilities during peak summer hours and lacked sufficient reserve capacity to meet peak load. As winter approached in 2019 and even in 2021, ERCOT chose not to winterize their infrastructure once again. Now, as we move into the disaster that we're going to discuss today, keep in mind that ERCOT is a nonprofit. I want you to take special care in listening to how much the price of electricity was increased by while Texans were suffering in the cold, many unable to even adequately heat their homes. What did ERCOT do? Well, you'd probably hope that I say ERCOT lowered their cost of electricity. That's not the case at all. They screwed every Texan out there from having a warm home during this major winter storm. We're going to take a quick break right here. Um, hopefully an ad kicks in here. If not, there may be about 30 seconds of just dead air. Please feel free to leave me a comment once I release this episode, and I'll go in and fix it. We'll be right back. All right, hopefully that ad wasn't too bad if there was one at all. The 2021 Texas power crisis occurred following three major winter storms that swept across the country between February 13th to the 20th. Dubbed Winter Storm Uri by the Weather Channel, this major winter storm brought dangerous conditions as far south as northern Mexico. On February 13th, a frontal storm developed off the coast of the Pacific Northwest and moved ashore. Before moving southeastward, the storm became disorganized in the process. During this time, the storm reached a minimum pressure of 992 millibars over the Rocky Mountains. On the same day, the Weather Channel gave the storm the unofficial name Winter Storm Uri. Due to the expected impacts from the storm, the Federal Communications Commission later adopted the name in their reports after February 17th. From February 12th to the 13th, a trop dipped southward from Northern California into Northern Mexico, which channeled moisture from Texas towards the storm as the storm moved southeastward. Over the next couple of days, the storm began to develop as it entered the southern United States and moved into Texas. 
From February 13th to the 14th, a second, much larger trough developed over the central United States, aided by a southward shift from the polar vortex while the winter storm moved into Texas. The trough became fully developed by the 15th, channeling significant amounts of moisture into the winter storm and also contributed to the historic cold wave that affected most of the central and eastern United States. Winds in the jet stream reached 170 miles per hour or 275 kilometers an hour around the trough. On the 15th, the system developed a new surface low off the coast of the Florida Panhandle as the storm turned northeastward and expanded in size. On February 16th, the storm developed another low pressure center to the north as the system grew more organized while moving towards the northeast. Later that day, the storm broke in half with the newer storm moving northward into Quebec while the original system moved off the east coast of the U.S. By the time the winter storm exited the U.S. late on February 16th, the combined snowfall from the multiple winter storms within the past month had left nearly 75% of the contiguous United States covered by snow, which was the largest amount of snow cover seen in the United States since early 2003. On the 17th, the storm's secondary load dissipated as the system approached landfall in New Finland, intensifying in the process. At 12 UTC that day, the storm's central pressure reached 985 millibars, as the center of the storm moved over Newfoundland. On the same day, the storm was given the name Bellrim by the Free University of Berlin. The storm continued to strengthen as it moved across the North Atlantic, with the storm's central pressure dropping to 960 millibars by February 19th. On the 20th, the storm developed a second low-pressure area and gradually began to weaken as it moved northwestward towards Iceland. Afterward, the storm turned westward and moved across southern Greenland on February 22nd, weakening even further as it did so. The storm then stalled out south of Greenland while continuing to weaken before it dissipated on the 24th. Back in Texas, the worst case scenario was occurring due to ERCOT choosing not to winterize their infrastructure. Instead, they chose to increase their prices, capitalizing on the deregulated market instead of helping those affected during this disaster. During the crisis, some energy firms made billions in profits while others went bankrupt due to some firms being able to pass extremely high wholesale prices for example, $9,000 per megawatt hour, when that is typically $50 per megawatt hour on to customers, while others could not, as well as this price being held at the $9,000 cap by ERCOT for allegedly two days longer than necessary, creating $16 billion in unnecessary charges. Prior to the storm impacting Texas, the Department of Transportation pre-treated roadways due to icing being a major concern for motorists. As the track of the storm became more apparent, the National Weather Service declared a winter storm warning for all 254 counties in Texas, the first time that that has ever been done in the state's history. Conditions quickly deteriorated as the storm struck, bringing with it record snowfalls and temperatures never before seen throughout Texas. Temperatures in Houston reached a record low of 13 degrees, San Antonio 5 degrees, and Dallas negative 2 degrees Fahrenheit. Rolling blackouts, longer duration outages, and ice accretion caused by the precipitation and unusually cold temperatures for the region also caused widespread disruptions to the water distribution systems across the southern plains. Waterline breaks occurred in many areas, and power disruptions impacted water treatment plants and parts of the region that forced several cities including Houston, San Antonio, Fort Worth, Abilene, Austin, Killeen, and Arlington, Texas, and Shreveport, Louisiana to enact residential boil water orders. By February 18th, more than 13 million people in Texas lived in areas covered by boil water advisories. In cases where residents had no energy sources to heat water, purchasing bottled water was advised. 
In Houston, this led to shortages of bottled water in grocery stores. In addition, pipe bursts caused significant damage to numerous residences in the Dallas area and other areas of North Texas. This is what I mean when I say that all of us must be prepared for any risk that exists. ERCOT knew of their infrastructure's limitations well in advance of the storm and chose not to take effective action to protect the grid. While we expect to simply be able to plug in our phones at the end of each day, it's up to the energy providers to do what is right and conduct those risk management procedures to identify challenges that they are facing. Due to winter rising not having taken place, it was only a matter of time until a catastrophic failure was to happen. The winter storm caused a record low temperature at Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport of negative 2 degrees Fahrenheit or negative 19 degrees Celsius on February 16th, the coldest in North Texas in 72 years. Most Texan homes, which infrequently see these low temperatures, have poor insulation and are heated with inefficient electric resistance heaters, resulting in extremely high electricity demand. Power equipment in Texas was not winterized, leaving it vulnerable to extended periods of cold weather. Natural gas generating facilities had equipment freeze up and face shortages of fuel. Texas Governor Greg Abbott and some other politicians initially said renewable energy sources were the cause for the power outages, citing frozen wind turbines as an example of their unreliability. Viral images of a helicopter de-icing a wind turbine said to be in Texas were actually taken in 2015 in Sweden. However, wind energy accounts for only 23% of Texas's power output. Moreover, equipment from other energy sources, such as natural gas power generating facilities, either froze up or had mechanical failures which were also responsible. Governor Abbott later acknowledged that coal, natural gas, and nuclear plants had also played a role. During this disaster, five times more natural gas had been lost than wind power. When power was cut, it disabled some compressors that pushed gas through pipelines knocking out further gas plants due to the lack of supply. ERCOT was aware on February 13th that blackouts would be likely and that the grid would have to shut off more than 10% of its demand. The next day, electricity demand exceeded 67.2 gigawatts, higher than what the grid operator had ever planned for in extreme winter weather. Overnight, ERCOT ordered utilities to drop several thousand megawatts of load, but the grid frequency continued to drop as demand exceeded supply. The grid came within minutes of overloading and shutting down completely, which would have required a slow and costly black start. Now here comes the fun part. If you've ever seen Blissful Ignorance, this is exactly what resembles the Abbott administration prior to this disaster. In November of 2020, Governor Greg Abbott's appointees to the Public Utilities Commission, the oversight committee responsible for public utilities throughout Texas, decided to end the contract with the Texas Reliability Entity, which further reduced oversight on the power grid. In July of 2020, the Public Utilities Commission had also abandoned the Oversight and Enforcement Division. This storm was one of the worst to impact Texas and led to an estimated 426 to 978 fatalities in this state alone. Both food and water shortages were recorded as grocery stores were unable to operate due to water and power outages, and delivery trucks found it far too dangerous to operate on icy roads. Now this is just me, and in the past year and a half of recording this show, I don't think I've seen something this incompetent as this administration here and dealing with the electricity grid of Texas. Water service was disrupted for more than 12 million people due to the pipes freezing and bursting. 
More than 200,000 people in Texas live in areas where water systems were completely non-operational. On February 17th, residents of Austin were asked not to drip their faucets despite the risk of pipes freezing as the demand for water in the city was more than 2.5 times the amount supplied on the previous day. The city had lost more than 325 million U.S. gallons of water due to burst pipes by February 18th. According to the Austin Water Director, Greg Massaros, nearly 12 million people were advised to boil their tap water before consumption due to low water pressure throughout the pipe network. People were seen collecting water from the San Antonio Riverwalk with trash cans. Due to the inclement weather conditions and extensive power outages, most grocery stores statewide could not keep up with the increased demand for food and sundry items. Many stores were forced to close due to lack of power. The few that did remain open completely ran out of most staple food items like bread, milk, and eggs. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I live in a very hurricane-prone area, and people rush to the grocery store ahead of time before a hurricane and get bread, milk, and eggs. Why on earth, before you know your power is going to go out, are you going to buy two items that are perishable? Just baffles me. Sorry, I, I digress. If you are shopping ahead of a storm or after a storm, buy something that is shelf-stable, such as canned goods. Bread is fine, but... You want to stay away from like lunch meats, dairy, eggs, because those items tend to spoil quickly and you are just essentially wasting your money. Officials also warned that these shortages could be long-term, stating that 60% of the region's grapefruit crop and 100% of the orange crop were lost due to the weather. Due to this extreme cold, other critical infrastructure such as plumbing was rendered inoperable in some cities. Places such as San Antonio experienced fire hydrant failures, forcing the city fire department to carry water to emergencies via water tenders. In other cities, plumbing burst and led to further damage from the storm. Responses varied as well. On February 12th, Governor Abbott declared a state of emergency, activating the state's military assets to aid in debris cleaning and assisting civilians throughout the state. On the 13th, Governor Abbott requested a federal disaster declaration, which was immediately approved on the 14th. The community here is what I love most about this disaster. They banded together following the snowfall, and many locations opened up to serve the public as warming centers. Local churches, community centers, and other locations opened warming stations for affected individuals, as well as asking for physical and monetary donations to help those affected. Several local mutual aid groups responded with supply delivery and distribution, particularly in the hard-hit Houston and Austin areas. Celebrities such as Beyonce and Reese Witherspoon teamed up with companies to provide monetary relief, donated personally, and supplied donation links to their social media followers to raise relief and awareness. Through his We're Texas virtual benefit concert, Matthew McConaughey and his wife Camilla Alves McConaughey raised over $7.7 million to continue support for those affected by the storm. I wish I could say that the storm proved to the oversight personnel and to ERCOT as a whole that something needed to be done to ensure this doesn't continue to happen. I honestly don't think it will, as many in the state seem more dead set on protecting their income versus protecting their citizens. The Public Utilities Commission controversy is proof of that. Following the resignation of PUC Chairwoman Deanne T. Walker, her replacement Arthur D'Andrea was recorded in a conference call with utility investors stating that he would protect their investments, which would lead to the $16 billion in overcharges following ERCOT's pricing that remained at the $9,000 maximum for two days following the outages. Needless to say, 
He was only in the position for a week following this call being leaked. I truly hope that the Texas officials have learned from their actions and that the citizens who live in Texas should have access to reliable power during emergency situations such as a winter storm. I truly wish I could say that effective changes have been made, but ERCOT has done very little. They've warned of blackouts for winter 2022 if power generation levels exceed normal operating conditions. Only time will tell until ERCOT learns that they should have excess reserve margins for emergencies to ensure future blackouts don't happen on this scale again. Sorry if it seems like I'm bashing the administration in Texas, but to me, it just sounds like they're walking through the community with their ears plugged. They aren't listening to the citizens. They aren't following recommendations provided by the federal government. And they want as little regulation and oversight as possible. And when that happens, you get this. You get this power crisis that continues to prolong itself with no foreseeable end. The citizens of Texas deserve reliable power because there are people at home that require electricity for medical necessities such as oxygen, dialysis, heart rate monitoring, you name it. There are people that require that constant round-the-clock care. And while yes, those machines typically do have battery backups, they only last a certain amount of time until they either have to go to the hospital and be admitted or the power comes back on. This cannot continue to happen. I don't know how much longer or how many more people have to die before the administration in Texas sees the woes of their decision-making processes. I digress. Um, that was the end of the episode. If you enjoyed it, you know, give it a like, follow me, follow me on Instagram. Do not follow me on Twitter because that account is going away. Instead, follow the subreddit that is in the show notes. And finally, um, Thanksgiving is next week. So for those of you who are celebrating the holiday, I wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. You know, take time and relish in the fact that we are finally able to begin gathering once again with, you know, close friends and family that two and a half years ago we weren't able to spend time with. The next episode of Destination Disaster will be available on November 27th. So until then, you know, kick back, relax, watch some football, enjoy the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, you know, whatever your tradition is, enjoy it. For me, I'm probably going to take a nap. Until then, this has been Destination Disaster. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.